Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Makes you feel good. It does, doesn't it? A bit of Bruno Mars to start off the second hour of this edition of Race Control with our good friends at Repco and get into our Repco feature interview. When you think about Valentino Rossi, you you quite literally say the GOAT. And we, we Murph and I on Sky Speed this week looked at the numbers. Uh, so 372 race starts. Those are premier race starts. So that's in MotoGP. It was actually 432 in total over his 125 and 250 career included. 89 wins. 199 podiums, 55 poles, 76 fastest laps. And the really crazy fact I threw at Murph, I actually got him to open his bit of an open jaw moment. Since 1949, his numbers represent that he's been involved in the premier class of MotoGP 500cc 44% of the time. And one man that had a huge influence and 56 of those wins to make sure that he was on his road to being the GOAT is a Kiwi called Brent Stevens, one of his mechanics. And he joins us right now in this Repco feature interview. Hello, Brent. Hey, evening, guys. How's it going? Mate, uh, we are good. Uh, let's start at the beginning. Where did it all start for you, getting into bikes and being a spanner man? Oh, Humble um, starts in, in New Zealand and uh, Palmer's North working for a motorcycle uh, shop, being a mechanic, and started racing motocross. And actually, Murph knows the guy I'm talking about, Simon Crater. You guys are uh, well known in that, that part of the woods. Um, I started working with him. I actually, he was an apprentice when I was, and he started racing in Europe. And he asked me to go and work for him in the World Tour Bikes. And that's how it kicked off for me. How long ago was that? Oh, I can't even remember. Oh, great years ago. <laughs> no, not 90, 95 I went to Europe for the first time. And that's when wow. he uh, was, he just got a factory ride over the on the bikes. So when, when did the hookup with the goat happen? And how did it, and how did it happen? Yeah, how? how do you get into this position? Bribery, money, stuff like that. No, seriously. <laughs> Um, I did the three years with Simon with World Tour Bikes and actually uh, worked with uh, another Kiwi, Mike Webb, um, and he was uh, working alongside with me with Simon. And he be- ended up becoming the race director for race director for Dorna for MotoGP uh, eventually. But he was um, working with a 500 motocross, I mean, MotoGP team when uh, Kenny Roberts stopped uh, funding the team and they had a... Um, a team with Marlborough sponsorship, and it was Carlos Checker and Max Biaggi. And Mike asked me to go back to Europe and help them out. So that's how I got into that. And I did four years with Carlos Checker with uh, 500s, and that's when Max was in the team as well. And at that stage, I was, well, we weren't doing much winning, basically, and Valentino and Honda were doing all the winning. And I was pretty mates with Jeremy Burgess and all the other boys. We would all fly back on the plane and they'd just give me a ribbing day in, day out over finishing second at best. And I was actually trying to get a job down there with them, to be honest, uh, if the other one came up. And one day Jeremy rang me and said, don't go anywhere, uh, we're coming to you. Which nobody thought that was ever going to happen because there was a lot of talk with Mick maybe going to Yamaha one time. It never happened, but 
fair enough, uh, Valentino signed with the Yamaha and he, he came and took the spot on our team and I jumped ship with Carlos to move over because they wanted somebody uh, that knew the bike well. So I ended up working with all the Australian guys and with Valentino in 2004 when he came to Yamaha. That must have been... Uh, that must have been uh, an, an, an incredible moment and obviously life-changing moment for you to then, you know, be a part of that team because that's what that was, right? I mean, mate, you, we've spoken about it before, that the way that that whole operation worked with Jeremy Burgess leading the charge there and, and created such a significant little group of people, um, being a part of that, mate, just to try and put it into words. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, I was... I was so stoked and a little bit overwhelmed because you think, gee, look who's come, look who's come to town and I've got to work with them. Luckily, those guys were so versed with Valentino and his intricacies and how he works because he's quite different with how he operates. And so it was really easy to slot in, especially with the Australian Kiwi thing. So there was no, no pressure as far as that goes. But he drew a crowd, my God, the amount of cameras and... Uh, videos going on in the, in the garage constantly. It was just never-ending. So it was uh, super exciting in that first year with Valentino because, I mean, Yamaha as a whole, we weren't going that great. They were trying, but even with Max, we were just getting sporadic results, and they put a big effort in Yamaha. Kudos to them because they redeveloped the whole team development side of it. And when we went to um, welcome for that first race, that first year, we weren't. We were the underdogs. We weren't expected to go there or win. Never they won the the title, and uh, God, he rode the wheels off that thing and uh, just inspired everybody so much more. And that year was just a, a pivotal year for everything. It was just incredible how how it happened. You know, I mean, it was not through lack of hard work, and and that would never have happened without JB's uh, Jeremy Burgess's input and the team. He just was so good at getting the best out of a bike. Brent, let's talk about... You've opened a door up because you said the intricacies of Valentino Rossi. So take us into the garage. Uh, take us into a race day, uh, what he would go through, and what are those intricacies? He's really methodical with what he does. I mean, time management, how he is. I mean, he's always super friendly in the garage, but he was super serious as well. You need to come in meet everybody. Everybody wanted to be his best mates all the time, but he'd come in and, and spend five or ten minutes talking with us guys in the garage when he first arrived on like the Thursday and just get that out of the way and you know, ask how we were all doing and what we'd been doing and talk about, you know, the week prior to that. But he had knuckled down and he'd spent a lot of time going over everything. I mean, he had uh, Ucho, his best mate that was with him. I mean, he's just had everything down to like two minutes as far as time goes. That's even without even thinking about you know, how he is when he goes through his motion before he gets on the bike, and that's something special in itself. You know, touching his balls, pulling on his earring, putting his earplugs in, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, that was the stuff that went on without fail every time. Every time. Every time. Why would yeah. he touch his balls? Or was that just to make sure that they were God. there when he came back? <laughs> Maybe the last time. Who knows? But it was, it, was, it was supposed to be good luck, you know. So, I mean, that was just something. I mean, everybody's seen him do it. I don't, I don't think I'm talking out of turn family to everybody, but, yeah, that's what he did, pulling his undies out of his house as he went down to the lane and it was just <laughs> well, every time. <laughs> when you talk about, when we talk about raw talent, have you, yep. did he have raw talent and have you seen the likes since? 
Gee, um, I don't think so. I just I think about it now that I watched the last race and it was a bit emotional seeing you know that, that all finally end. And I thought to myself, do I really make the most of all the the highlights that we had because you're you're so deep into it. And, you know, I mean, I remember we used to get so peeved off when we finished second. We would just hate ourselves for not, not winning. And it's, and it just seemed so arrogant because as a team, we were like that. But the arrogancy of uh, all the guys that work around, because they expected to win. You know, they if we fight, once we started winning, if we didn't win, we'd just go, what, what did we do wrong? You know, second just wasn't good enough back then. But then when we won, oh, we just let them have it. We used to play, you know, we are the champions by Queen, full volume after the race, all the time. It was just like people must have hated us, really, and I was part of it. <laughs> but I, but I haven't seen anybody that's got that raw talent like that. Maybe I mean, you, I look at the new young generation now. There's a lot of talented guys out there. There really is, and it's, it's only time's going to tell how talented they are because you know, these guys can come in and have a couple of fleeting moments. I mean, look at uh, Maverick, for example. I mean, he was going to be the talent. I mean, there's more to it than just raw talent. I mean, Murph knows that. There's, there's a thousand guys there that have got the talent, but you got to have the dedication, you've got to have the mindset, and there's so many guys that don't have all that together. You are listening to Brent Stevens, former mechanic of Valentino Rossi, seven-time MotoGP champion, nine-time world champion with the 125s and the 250s thrown in there as well. We're going to take a break in our Repco feature interview and come back and talk more about this amazing man and also the amazing man that was part of Valentino Rossi's career right here on SENZ. Brent Stevens, once the mechanic for Valentino Rossi. How many mechanics were there, by the way? Uh, there's three of us. Um, uh, Alex Briggs, who lives here in Australia, and a uh, Belgian guy. And, uh, yeah, there's three of us sort of, like, mixed the duties of what had to be done to the two bikes. What was your specific specialty? Uh, not, not any specialty, really. We all had to be sort of versed in, in doing everything, although in the later years the, um, the gearboxes became pretty technical and one guy sort of specialised in that. I dabbled in it enough to better do it if push come to shove. Um, but everything else we'd, we'd work on together um, because the, ge- the, the gearboxes are probably one of the biggest things you change because we can't open the engines. So you're just rotating engines around for mileage, basically, and doing general maintenance and well, crash repairs if there was any, but the gearboxes are the thing that probably took the most time. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on how MotoGP is is going at the moment and its directions and the rules, the regulations. I mean, um, I'm. I mean, any motorsport fan is is a huge fan of MotoGP. The racing the last couple of years, or oh, I don't know, years gone by, has, has just been phenomenal. It seems to have they seems to have the right package, mate, uh, of regulations and things going at the moment. Do you agree with that, or what, what do you think would improve it? I, I totally agree with you because I think sometimes I look at Formula One, they just change rules and regulations too much. I mean, at the moment, they've got a good package going together. Um, there's a lot of satellite teams that are competitive. You know, they brought in the Magnet, Magneti Morelli electronics years ago to try and level the play field. And I think that's they've done a good job. You know, there's guys out there that are winning races. Or hey, Martin, guys like that on a, a satellite bike and a competitive where you go back 10 years ago, there was, there was too much difference in the bikes. Now, it's uh, I think it's bang on, really. I don't think they want to go changing too much. 
when you look at having worked with Valentino Rossi, could you get close to him or was it always that working relationship? Could you call him a friend? Uh, yeah, I could call him a friend, but I, I totally agree with you. And um, I had this argument, not argument, this conversation with a lot of the Italian guys because the Italians just don't drop their knees for it, just to have a word with them, you know what I mean? And, and uh, it's sometimes, oh, sorry, excuse the expression, but, you know, you've got to have a distance between being its best mate and doing a professional job that you're employed to do. So there's a very hard crossover, and that's why mainly, you know, we'd, we'd talk together at certain times or have dinner, but we weren't matey-matey. You know, I could, I mean, I message him often, even now, I can call him, that sort of thing. But we never hang out, hung out together yeah. all the time. Sort of thing. He's got his own group of guys for that. So I think it was important to keep the, the professionalism on one side. And you, you can still be a friend, but I don't yeah. know how you can be his best mate. So so that mutual mutual respect is, is probably the, the key element to, to walk away with. All right, uh, totally. It certainly worked for us anyway. I mean... And no one on our team was any different to that. Probably a little bit now where there's a few more Italians involved, especially than when we were in Ducati, that muddied the waters too much when I look back on it. And you, you could see it happening. Everybody wanted to be his best mate, and mm. no one was being quite as honest as they probably could have been you know, for, the, for the race reasons, you know? Ucho is mate. Be. Sorry, Murph. I was just because Brent had mentioned Ucho. I'm sure that's the shall we say the chubby fellow that's always around him. Is that is that right? Is that Ucho? <laughs> I don't wish to be rude, but it's only way I can. He always, he looks like a jolly fellow. Is that is that his mate Ucho? Yeah, he, they, they grew up as, as kids. They rode scooters to school and stuff like that. He's uh, they're almost like brothers. I mean, they've been together forever, inseparable. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's. He, I'd say he's. His best mate, for sure. What's you know, he, 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 he going to do now? <laughs> oh, I don't know. They're going car racing. He'll find something to do. He'll just be tagging along doing something. He's 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 actually involved in the, his new VR Business. Sky racing. So he yeah. has some involvement in that as well. And Pablo Nieto, he's pretty much running the new MotoGP team So. He's going to be, uh, Valentino's going to be pretty busy, isn't he? I mean, they're, they're with the, the VR46 um, Academy and then the race team and all that stuff and the involvement he's going to have and then go off and do some car racing as well. He's, uh, he's going to be um, uh, probably busier than he has been of late um, riding MotoGP bikes. Yeah, he's got, he's got a good bunch of guys working from there. There's just so much going on within VR46 as a, as a company, you know, with the Academy. He's got allocated guys doing that and... Um, you know, the guys with the, that are running the new um, MotoGP team, you know, I mean, Valley's got his name to it, but he's not, he's, I don't think anyone's going to expect him to be turning up there every every day, every weekend sort of thing. You know, it's his name on it, but he's not going to be, you know, crack, cracking on the tools or anything like that anytime soon. <laughs> no, I wouldn't want him doing that. Hey, uh, let's, um, let's talk uh, Aussies in... Uh, MotoGP, um, what an amazing feat it was uh, on the weekend to see Remy Gardner uh, take out that Moto2 World Championship. It was uh, pretty special, wasn't it? Oh, it was. I mean, so any time that anyone from down under wins the world title, it's a great thing, you know, because it's you've really got the, your back against a wall trying to make it um, in a world championship event or... European, when you live down here, you just haven't got the, the clout as far as getting sponsors and stuff like that. I mean, 
he's lucky he had you know his dad there to really yep. push him along the way, and I thought financially help him because average Joe is never going to get there. It's so dash hard. There's so many good riders, and if you haven't got financial backing or a little bit of clout. It's near impossible to do. I mean, who's off to um, when I say look at Jack, you know? Mm. He's coming back to have a ride on the Superbike in December. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's, he's riding one of my old bikes. That I, well, I mean, I'm still working for the Ducati team over here, and it's one of the bikes that we've, we've used we, that he's uh, purchased. So, yeah, that's great. Really good news. I mean, it's great for the sport down here to have him because we haven't had any MotoGP yeah. for the last couple of years. So, have a jack front up down there. I'm sure it'll draw a crowd. Hey, um, I, I have to ask this question about Remy Gardner because he's been trying really hard for a couple, three years now to try and break through to, to win a championship. Uh, you, you know bikers. You know you know a good rider from a bad rider. You've seen plenty. You've worked with the best. Is it, How tough is it going to be with him and that Tech 3 KTM team to compete straight away in MotoGP next year? Uh, it's going to be tough for sure. You know, you know, to look at the guys that are um, before him that have gone to MotoGP and struggled. I mean, Fabio is probably the one guy that jumped into the MotoGP and and did better than most guys expected because he wasn't the fastest Moto2 rider. Um, Frankie was. You know, it took Frankie two years to get up to speed compared to uh, to Fabio. But I mean, it's a, it's a big call. It's you. Uh, it's going to take some time and. Although Miguel Oliveira, he's, he started the season really good and he's faded away a little bit. It's, it's not easy. Not, throw, throw someone like him into even a factory bike with the best of machinery. It's not going to be the machinery that's going to make the difference for the first couple of years. It's going to be him getting his head around going racing in, in that class. Is MotoGP completely different to F1? Because you've just picked it up there. Is it about the rider more so than the machine? There's always a crossover, for sure. Um, you only have to look at the moment. Ducati have dominated the second half of the season. I mean, they've got a great bike, great electronics, and yet you've got Fabio on the Yamaha, who in some weekends is unbeatable. Um, so I would say you have to have both. 100% Suzuki are really struggling at the moment because their bike isn't quite good enough. They haven't sort of had any updates lately. And that, that's the difference at the moment. Uh, Mia won the world title last year, and he's up with the second or third this year. So, I mean, he's really struggled. And, and the other guys, the other manufacturers have, have upped their game. I mean, it's not like he's been riding bad. It's just that that's the way technology is moving and stuff like that. So you have to have a little bit of both. I think in Formula One, it's probably leaning a little bit more towards the car makes a difference more than in MotoGP. All right, mate. Uh, but before we let you, I mean, I, yeah, Murph's been, I could, Murph's been waving at me, and his his, his screens up. Now. You got a question, Murph? Yeah, I just just mate. Um, where to uh, for for you, mate? Twenty twenty two. What's um, what's on the agenda? Uh well, well, COVID's pretty much stuff things for me. I've had just had a a year off now because uh, I I had an opportunity to ride uh, work with uh, Valentino's brother Luca this year. Just been, but. COVID, I thought I was going to get stuck over there, you know, I probably would have. And uh, next year, I had an opportunity to go with in Valentina's new team uh, with uh, Luca and the Moto2 rider Bisecki. But I've had to pull the pin on that because, again, COVID's macular. They want, I'm supposed to be over there testing today, actually, in Jerez. That's what they wanted me over there for. So I'm having another year off, and hopefully, end of next year, I'll get down there and, um, and get back over there and 
get back into it. Too talented to be left on the sidelines, Brent. I, before you go, I've just got to ask you one one final thought. What is the best moment of working with Valentino Rossi? Can you remember the moment, the race? What was the best moment? Oh, I've told this a thousand times. Oh, I'll okay. Thousand times. Oh, no, 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 seriously, it was uh, my first race win and Yamaha's first race win for so long and welcome uh, when, with Valentino. Uh, an unexpected, and it was just amazing moment first race win I mean I think I've, we've done lots of interviews and all the mechanics say the same thing I mean there's, there's other moments that have been really special but that one specifically for me you know the first win that's always counts and the world title well you've done okay from a boy from Palmerston North haven't you Norswood, actually. No, no. Norswood. <laughs> Norswood. The, fa- the factory's not there anymore. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, the only, the only reason anyone would know that is if they bought some woolen socks or a jumper. Like it's a, my, my, it's my uncle used to wow. work in the factory selling that stuff. That's how I know. <laughs> hey, Brent, thanks so much for giving us your time. I've got one final thought for you. Write a book. Write a book yeah. from your oh. perspective because I think yeah. that would be fascinating. It would be. I kick myself so often that I didn't keep a journal because I think I've got more than, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, I thought about it many times. I'll write one after Jeremy Burgess writes his one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah right, you, then you can then you can plagiarise the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brent, yeah. Thanks so much for your time, mate. It's been it's been a really enjoyable time just to learn a little bit more, particularly uh, how the boys from down under can uh, take on the world and help people uh, achieve so much. Uh, thanks so much, and we'll we'll talk Cheers, again. Now it was a pleasure. Nice talking to you guys.